Welcome to Current Radio's Sports Station. Please enjoy today's selection of sports news. Switching gears now, Helena, let's talk about the recent retirement of a true legend in the world of women's football, Christine Sinclair. Absolutely, Stephen. Sinclair's career is nothing short of remarkable. She left the field for the last time in a 1-0 victory over Australia, marking the end of an era that saw her score an astounding 190 goals in 331 games, a record that defies comprehension, really. And it's not just about the numbers, Helena. Sinclair's impact on the game transcends statistics. She debuted at just 16, and she's been a beacon for the sport in Canada ever since. True, Stephen. And it's worth noting that Sinclair's early career was marked by a lack of consistency in the Canadian team, but that didn't stop her from scoring 90 goals between the ages of 16 and 24. That's right. And as Canada's team improved, Sinclair continued to shine. The difference was, more people saw her. She became a symbol of excellence in the sport. And yet, despite all the attention, Sinclair remained humble. She's known for her quiet, unassuming demeanor, but also for her deep love for the sport and her home country. She's always been about the game, not the spotlight, exactly. Even on her retirement night, while everyone else was wearing t-shirts bearing her name, Sinclair chose to wear Sophie Schmidt's jersey, another retiring legend. A testament to her character. Indeed, and her record, Stephen, is simply astounding. 190 goals in 331 games over a 24-year career. The next active player in the goal-scoring ranks, Misa Jabara, is still 57 goals behind. It's a record that's unlikely to be broken anytime soon. And it's not just about the goals. It's about the longevity, the consistency, and the impact. Sinclair has left an indelible mark on the sport. She certainly has. And even though she's retiring, her influence will continue to be felt. She's been a strong advocate for a professional women's league in Canada and will no doubt continue to work towards that goal. Absolutely. Sinclair's legacy is one of excellence, humility, and dedication to her sport. She may have hung up her boots, but her impact on women's football in Canada and beyond will continue to resonate for generations to come. From one sporting legend to another, let's now turn our attention to the hardwood. The world of NBA has been buzzing with excitement, especially after last night's thrilling encounter. Helena, it seems like the Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns gave us quite a spectacle, didn't they? In the world of NBA, we witnessed an exhilarating showdown between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns last night. LeBron James, in particular, put on quite a show, didn't he, Helena? Oh, absolutely, Stephen. LeBron was on fire, scoring 15 of his 31 points in the fourth quarter alone and the Lakers secured their semifinal spot in the inaugural NBA in-season tournament with a 106-103 victory. And it wasn't just LeBron. Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves also put up quite the performance, setting up the Lakers for a match against New Orleans on Thursday in Las Vegas. The championship game will be staged Saturday, with the winner taking home the NBA Cup. True. LeBron, in his post-game interview, highlighted the importance of this in-season tournament, saying that it provides a platform for players to play for something meaningful, represent their families, communities. But the game wasn't without its controversy, was it? There was that moment where the Suns were left fuming when officials granted James's request for a timeout while the ball appeared to be loose. Phoenix coach Frank Vogel was quite vocal about his frustration. 
Indeed, Vogel argued that the timeout shouldn't have been granted as it was a loose ball situation. But Reeves, on the other hand, thought he was fouled by Booker just before the timeout was called. And Kevin Durant of the Suns, he didn't agree with his coach's anger about the call, saying that it's a 48-minute game and one play doesn't decide the outcome. He seemed to be more focused on playing through such situations rather than blaming the referees. Exactly, Stephen. And despite Davis missing one of two free throws, Durant's potential tying 30-footer didn't land, sealing the game for the Lakers. It was a tough night for the Suns overall, with 22 turnovers and their superstars struggling with foul trouble. But they managed to hang in there despite these challenges. True, Stephen. And it's interesting to note that both Vogel and Lakers coach Darvin Ham spoke about how the players are getting into the spirit of the in-season tournament, especially with financial bonuses at stake for their team's support personnel and younger players. As Ham said, money speaks, man. Well, that's all we have for now. Stay tuned for more updates as the inaugural NBA in-season tournament unfolds. From the hardwood of the NBA to the turf of the soccer field, Let's switch gears now to another thrilling showdown that took place recently. This time, we're focusing on the world of women's soccer. Stephen? Stephen, let's talk about the thrilling finale to the U.S. women's soccer team's year. They ended on a high note, didn't they? Absolutely, Helena. Jaden Shaw, the 19-year-old hometown hero, scored the winning goal against China in the 79th minute. What a way to make her first start for the national team. Indeed, and in front of her own crowd in Frisco, Texas, no less. She must have been on cloud nine. But let's not forget about Shen Mengyu's goal for China, right? It did break the Americans' seven-game shutout streak, which must have been a bit of a shock. Yeah, but Sam Coffey made sure to even the score with her first international goal. The celebration was quite something, wasn't it? Oh, it was a sight to behold, and the win was a much-needed boost, especially after the team's early exit from the Women's World Cup this summer. Definitely. And these matches were under the interim coach Twila Kilgore, while Emma Hayes wraps up the Women's Super League season with Chelsea. It's quite a transition period for the team. Yes, and it's interesting to see how the lineup changed for this match. Seven changes were made, and we saw some fresh faces like Aubrey Kingsbury and, of course, Shaw. It's a nod to the youth, isn't it? With veterans like Alex Morgan and Becky Sauerbrunn given some time off, the focus seems to be on grooming the next generation. Absolutely. And we saw a debut from Corbin Albert, who plays professionally for Paris Saint-Germain. She came in for Captain Lindsay Horn in the second half. And amidst all this, they honored retired defender Ali Krieger for her 108 appearances with the national team. A fitting tribute, don't you think? Absolutely. She's been a stalwart for the team, part of the World Cup winning teams in 2015 and 2019. Her retirement marks the end of an era. It certainly does. And as we look ahead, it's going to be interesting to see how this team evolves under Emma Hayes. But for now, a well-deserved victory to end the year. From the soccer field to the gridiron, our next story also involves a game and a controversy. But this time, it's off the field and in the courtroom. We're moving from the thrilling victory of the U.S. women's soccer team to an unexpected conflict brewing in the world of college football. Let's dive into the latest development regarding the Florida State football team and their exclusion from the college football playoff. In a rather unexpected turn of events, 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has taken issue with the College Football Playoff Committee's decision to exclude the undefeated Florida State football team from the playoffs. That's right, Stephen. And it's not just a casual complaint. He's proposing to allocate $1 million from the state budget to let FSU sue the committee. Quite a bold move, don't you think? Definitely, Helena. But it's interesting to note that this budget proposal comes months before the championship will be decided. The semifinals are set for January 1st, with the championship game on the 8th. Right, Stephen. And DeSantis's recommendation is merely a suggestion to the Florida legislature. They're the ones who will have the final say on the spending plan, and DeSantis has the power to veto individual items. Yes, that's true. But let's not forget the uproar this decision has caused among the Florida State team and its supporters. Head coach Mike Norvell was quite vocal about his disappointment. Oh, absolutely. Norvell called the decision disgusting and infuriating, and the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips, deemed it unfathomable. Quite strong words there. And it's not without reason. Florida State is the first unbeaten Power Five conference winner to ever miss out. The teams that made the cut were Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. Yes, and it seems the committee's decision was largely influenced by Florida State's untimely run of injuries, particularly at the quarterback position. The committee's chairman, Boo Corrigan, stated that without Jordan Travis and his offensive dynamic, Florida State is a different team. That's indeed a significant factor. Travis, the ACC Player of the Year, suffered a season-ending injury in mid-November, and his backup, Tate Roadmaker, also suffered a concussion late in the season, which led to true freshman Brock Glenn taking the reins in the ACC title game, which they won against Louisville. Despite this, they've been seeded fifth and will face two-time defending national champion Georgia in the Orange Bowl. It's a situation that certainly sparked a lot of controversy. It'll be interesting to see how this unfolds and whether DeSantis's proposed lawsuit will indeed go forward. 